listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, returning, Mark Berman from Mad Sounds and another project that might be in the works. I'm not sure how much he wants to talk about it, but how you doing, Mark? Hey, uh, yeah, I still feel weird being thinking about myself as being with the, the Mad Sounds thing since I haven't uploaded it to there in a long time, but I am working on a video for that. My branding is very confusing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's that and the Floyd Ball music and all that, all that kind of stuff. The handles are different across all the social media. Anyway, to answer your question, I'm, I'm doing, doing okay by the standards of things right now. So over, overall, let's go with a thumbs up. Good, good. And what are you doing to stay sane right now? You like I, I've seen, you know, online you're pretty you're diving hard into some discographies, which I think is really cool actually. It's probably a good way to do to stay sane. Yeah. Yeah. So um so the, this is probably like if I'm gonna be doing any kind of uh podcast or anything like right, right now, it probably should be something like this because what I'm doing right now, so you know, as I feel like this might be a relatable experience for any record collector is that you kind of buy more than you end up having time to listen to at the time. So you kind of build up this, this uh, backlog of, of records that you're going to find an excuse to get to at some point, but it takes years and years, you know, have you ever had that experience at all? Oh, totally. Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm catching up like you are right now. Yeah. So I've had this uh, 12 by 12 box that never, increases nor decreases in size or actually it probably increases sometimes to the point where the box it's in the structural integrity is kind of heckin screwed at this point <laughs> um but uh at this luckily over the last month or so i've decided to if not actually be productive then make myself feel productive uh by going through all most at least of the records in this box. And at this point, I think I've tackled a good, maybe 60% of the records in there. I want to say only so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and it was like a 12 by 12 box. Uh, I, I was going through like maybe two, three albums a day sometimes. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, but in the meantime, you know, I've also been stocking up the Discog store. Honestly, that's the kind of main thing I want to, I would want to plug right now is, uh, spin it reviews with two S's on Discogs, because that is how I am making any money right now. Uh, I am, I am, I am, this is booming a little bit. I'm uh, kind of running out of, uh, running out of LP mailers at the moment. But anyway, anyway, uh, where I was going with that is that, uh, you know, just going to through all kinds of random seventies and eighties, uh, some sixties occasionally, uh, records. And, you know, I'm already in that mood right now. So that's what makes me interested in revisiting something, uh, for this. There are even a couple of toll records, uh, it, that, that I got in there that made it. So I've now heard everything they've done studio wise up through, uh, Chris Van Nice. Nice, uh, and you can also find him at fully involved, 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 involved. Mark at Instagram. The full art bark. Full art bark. Yeah, uh, he does. He does little stories where he kind of reviews these and like little hot takes on them, and they're entertaining. I have to say, they are entertaining because like it's interesting to hear your perspective on certain things. Because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up in a classic rock household, but not in the same way I did. Like I grew up in a class, like in a classic rock household where that was what I listen to like because i wanted to sometimes it feels like you weren't like as you know in it at the time 
Like from just from um, looking at certain things you've talked about. It de- it really depends because because like I mean there's kind of a big difference between my between really all my parents I suppose um all meaning dad and stepdad not like some kind of weird throuple situation <laughs> um so my mom my first few records were handed down to me by my mom without being like a Def Leppard hysteria Van Halen self titled but but really I think like you know she you know. Uh, she was born in 64, so kind of grew, grew up in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. So, like, it's kind of, like, familiar with, like, a lot of, like, the pop stuff at the time. I've actually been, like, calling her. It's, like, out of curiosity to see, like, how some of the names I've been running through hit her. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's honestly kind of spotty because, like, you know, she has, like, a CD collection that she's kept around. But she's never been, like, super nerdy about anything, right. I suppose. And I think the same would probably go for my dad, too. He did... Uh, give me the first few records and what would end up being my collection, uh, just when he was cleaning out stuff from the attic area. Um, but like he, his tastes, I can never really, I guess the best way I can describe it is like the daddest of dad rock. And then, Frank, and then Frank Sinatra. Okay. So that's an interesting throwing a little rat pack there. That's weird, but cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mostly the Frank Sinatra thing, honestly, like yeah. he, he, he kind of puts off that kind of vibe sometimes. Uh, but, uh, and and then my my stepdad got me into like uh, Tom Petty and uh, stuff like that. Nice. Mostly just Tom Petty, actually. Nice, nice. Yeah, like I said, it's really cool. And also, uh, I got a shout out because I I I have checked out uh, some of your, some more of your stuff since the last time we've talked. And my music, part, yeah, your music uh, fully oh, involved cool. on Spotify. Uh, check out uh, participation trophies. Thanks! Wow, I was I was looking for an excuse to plug that, and you, and you, you freaking did that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's the the EP I put out last year. I am I have been writing some stuff, but obviously, with what's going on right now, I was hoping to get into the studio with the guy uh, David that produced that EP uh, for hopefully the the second full length album. Cause oh I put no! Because I put out the first one twenty seventeen, but. I mean, I've been in some writer's block lately anyway, so maybe it's for the best. I'll just make it a 20, 2021 thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, you have stickers. I don't know where you can get the stickers. I forget. But uh, the, on, the, uh, on the on the band camp. Honestly, the band camp is probably, like, a really good hub for everything. Uh, there's a link tree linked in the bio of the Instagram. And, you know, ever since I got an Instagram just this past October, I've, I've never felt like so much of an influencer. I hate myself, God. <laughs> Jethro Tall. Yes. Uh, you hit Stand Up and uh, the uh, B-Sides collection, I, which I can't remember the name of anymore. Uh, Living in the Past. Living in the Past. Uh, it, it's, B, it's B-Sides plus uh, standalone singles, plus a couple album tracks, plus this one, plus uh, this whole EP that they put out around that time. And it came out, uh, it's hard to believe there's like time, but because, you know, Jethro Tall, they literally put out an album annually from 68 to 80. Yep. So you wouldn't think there would be like time in the record company's schedule to put out a compilation, but this was between uh, Aqualung and Thick as a Brick. So like right in that sweet spot. Yep. So naturally the songs on it, like even if it is a, a cobbled together compilation, it's still, it's still probably one of their bet, one of the better jumping off points, honestly, even though it's maybe the, even though it's like the 15th album I've heard from them. <laughs> it is a solid listen. And with with that, I kind of want you to give your Jethro Tull backstory because I think they were a band that we both kind of like discovered and dived into hard. And we both saw the same tour. You saw them the night before I did, actually. 
So, really? Yeah. Especially we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually wearing the shirt from the show. I'm wearing the broadsword shirt oh. I got at the show. Um, but yeah, uh, start out. How did you get into Jethro Tull? I mean, for the longest time, it was basically just uh, one of the ways I I became the the dork you see before you today uh, is uh, I just got a bunch. I just got handed a bunch of classic rock compilations as uh, as a youngin, and one of the earlier ones, uh, just compiling a bunch of seventies classic rock hits, uh, was a uh, featured uh, Aqualung, which would probably be I imagine most people's jumping on point mm-hmm. as far as total hits goes because it's one of their few like hit hits. Weirdly enough, never a single. Um, um, but, but, uh, yeah, so it was that, and then, like, I heard, like, him 43, and, like, maybe it was, like, a, a rock band or, or a guitar hero or something like that, uh, and then it's just kind of one by one until, like, maybe, and I did have the Aqualung album pretty shortly after that, found that at a, at one of the locals, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, and that was my only full-length record for theirs for a while, and then back in, like, 2017, I just kind of on a whim was, like, why don't I listen to just a a crap ton of Jethro Tull. So I'm good. So, so I did that. Uh, and I believe that part of that journey is documented in some of the older, in some of the uh, mad, mad sounds, maybe it was spin reviews at the time of uh, videos from around then. Uh, Cause I had, I did have this final series for a while. Um, and yeah, and that's, and that is how I believe, I believe then is when I got into like benefit and, uh, and and maybe this one we're talking about today, I'm not entirely sure. And then shortly after that is when I heard Under Wraps, and I was like, ooh boy, I'm going to have a conversation piece forever. <laughs> oh, man. Because, you, because listen, you could make a... I, as much as I don't like the no one meme, you could make, you could make a very <laughs> accurate one that's n- no one, Mark Berman. But have you heard the Jethro Tull synth pop album? <laughs> <laughs> no one not a single soul <laughs> oh man but yeah uh and uh and uh i i i hope that we de- dedicate a solid three hours to that one at some point god i hope so i would love to do that record because spoiler alert i don't think it's that bad <laughs> i think it's so i think it's so bad it's good i'm not that's even one of those for you, huh? that's that's yeah, that, that's fair that's fair i think it's a weird like and not to get too bit into it, I think it's a weird "how did we end up here" type situation. Which oh, we'll... you you can see exactly how they got there though, right. because it was a gradual decline from starting with A and then into Broadsword and then into Ian's solo album and then I still need to hear that. that. I've never heard that. Was it "Blinding Blinded by the Light" or something like that, or "Blinding Light"? What? Uh, it was called a "Walk into Light." Walk into Light. Okay, I'm thinking, and it didn't even have a drummer. Much like under wraps. <laughs> There might have been a drummer in the lineup for that. I'm not oh, entirely I sure. That, I thought that was just a drum machine on the album, at least. Maybe there. I will say. I think there might have been a guy credited, or at least a guy in in the music video for "Lap of Luxury." Have you seen that video? <laughs> I have not seen that video because that that completes the "So Bad It's Good." I think you got to see the video for "Lap of Luxury." All right, I'm gonna have to look that up later. Nice, nice. Link in the show notes. Oh, definitely, definitely. Be- before my Instagram, before my Bandcamp. Just for the good of the world. Right? For the good of the world. <laughs> All right, laugh a luxury. Okay. Uh, yeah. And in your story, my story is so. For years, I kind of refused. Like I knew Aqua Lung from Classic Rock Radio. I knew Locomotive Breath from Classic Rock Radio, but I refused to go any deeper because I I had that old metalhead notion of 
But then, um, when I was in college, uh, I became good friends with this guy named Drew, and he was talking to me, we were talking about records we grew up with as kids, and, you know, that we still, like, stuck with, and he mentioned Aqualung, and I was like, really? <laughs> Fucking really, Jethro Tull, dude? He goes, just shut up. Listen to this. And he made me sit down and listen to the whole album, and I was really taken back with it lyrically, because at the time, and, like, not to get too deep into it, but I was really, like... Yes, you. I was coming like struggling with my faith at the time like letting go of christianity like i really had some had some issues with it and i was struggling with the guilt of letting it go and the last song on the album wind up really hit me right in the chest and that whole album like really was a comfort to me in that time so then i was like okay it i'm i'm, I'm an idiot i'm an idiot it's fucking stupid like this guy stands and plays the flute and it, t- it's a, it takes a hell of a lot of power to play the flute like the way he does so I just felt like a moron after that, and I kind of started to get into the discography from there. I got Aqualung, and I got Too Old for Rock and Roll. Um, and I started with those two, which is a weird combination, I know. And I was really digging those, but then life kind of happened, and I got away from the records for a bit. And then in, was it 2018? It was 20, no, it was 2019 I saw Toll. It was 2019, um, I saw that uh, there was an Aqualung remaster remixed by Steven Wilson. I'm like, oh, that's got to sound cool. I like that album. Let me give that a shot again. And I got it, and it just put me back in that world, and it's like, oh, oh, they're coming to San Diego? Okay, let's. this this is the time to go all in. So that's kind of how I dived into the, the discography. I haven't heard everything yet. I haven't heard uh, Catfish Rising, Rock Island, Roots to Branches, and jtall.com, but I've heard everything else. Or the Christmas album? Or the Christmas you album. Have, you haven't heard the, the Jethro Tull Christmas album? I have not, no. Disgust. I haven't heard it. <laughs> um, but, 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 yeah, but again, like I have, I because I, I like to say that I've heard everything, but I really I've heard everything through Christopher and Dave, the album that beat Metallica for the Grammy. And uh, it, it's weird listening. It's funny you brought that up because that's like the two like stigmas about them, uh, I, I suppose. Yeah. It, is, oh, it's the, the, the guy with the flute and the, the mandolins. Uh, it sounds like they could just be playing a Ren Fair. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the guys that beat Metallica for the Grammy. Uh, what's funny is that, like, because the cool thing is the last couple of years, uh, Ian Anderson's actually been killing the podcast circuit. Oh, honestly. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've listened to a few. I've listened to a few there. And he, he's recapped what happened back there a couple times. And they honestly just kind of did because you got to keep in mind you know the grammys are a very american institution you know it's it's kind of similar thing with like say the rock like with like say the rock and roll hall of fame where like they they were like you know they, they uh they were nominated but they were like okay we're, we're recording the next album right now so like eh, we're probably not gonna get it whatever like they just did not give a shit right. uh but th- but then they <laughs> won and poor alice cooper has to go up there and accept it on their behalf. Oh my god! Yup. Oh, and, that's great. And I don't think that they ever got around to like, th- like that they ever got around to like apologizing to him or like thanking him for their things <laughs> like that. But th- th- that's that's from what he says by the way. And by the way, uh, I, I, he's he's got one. Of, I want I want him to write a memoir, if nothing else, so I can listen to the audiobook because I kind of want him to narrate my life. He's he's he has one of those speaking voices. Yeah, he's got one of those, which, like, like which you can probably which you which you could probably tell from listening to them. 
Oh yeah, well, you know, I talk very English and I'm very proper like this, you know, spot of tea. You know, I, I, I love listening to him, his interviews. He's great. He's very witty too and he loves to talk. Like he, like you ask him a question and he talks for 10 fucking minutes. It's, it's great. I love him. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you right there. He's actually Scottish, but it's honestly, I, 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 I but here's the thing. Huh. I did literally have to uh, click on the Wikipedia, sneakily click on the Wikipedia uh, to verify that it was that. Huh. So <laughs> I hold nothing over your head there. That's fair. Except yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so yeah, that's kind of where I came in, and yeah, they're just a great band. I love him as a lyricist too, which I'm going to talk about. Even though this album we're going to talk about, it's a very basic lyrical album. Like he's like Bruce Springsteen in a way that he t- he writes a lot about characters. Like you're never really hearing from the mind of Ian Anderson that much. You're, he's putting a play on for you of some kind, and he's just the narrator. Some might say a a pat 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 <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting that honestly that's that's not one of my favorites of theirs oh we're already coming in with the hot takes what <laughs> what I, I was saying that's not really one of my favorites of theirs oh we're already coming in with the hot takes what <laughs> at me at, at me, me. At toll heads <laughs> but yeah but yeah I, I'm sure at some point I will get around to some of the other albums that, right. that, that, that have come out since since Crestfinave um, which that album's that album's okay. I uh, one, I it's it's still suffering from like a lot of the gated drums that uh, came up from the eighties, but you can tell that they're like starting to get their heads back on track, and you can respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it, it's album. it's it's not better than uh, what was it up against? Was it Justice for All? I think it was Justice for All. It's not better yeah. than Justice for All. Uh, for me, it is. I'm, I don't like Metallica that much. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, you're we're balancing out the takes. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what? I mean, the, if you're, I agree. The original mix of that album without the bass in there <laughs> is inferior. I agree with that nuanced take. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, but I sh- I should like I should be getting to the stuff from after that. Uh, just to just as just as a completist, because I know that he also put out like under his own name, put out, like, a sequel yeah, to Thick as a Brick? To, yeah, Thick as a Brick, too. That's another one I have sitting on the shelf there that I need to get to during this quarantine. And he did a sequel to that called uh, Homo Erectus, which is, like, the third in the trilogy, which I also have. So, yeah, Thick as a Brick ended up going on really long, like, as far as, like, you know, a concept, which is really cool. Really cool. He kept that going for a while. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, um... And I also, I just want to hear jtoll.com so bad, because it's called <laughs> jtoll.com. I've heard one song from it, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I, I'm going to shout out another podcast I was on, the Pods and Saws Network. We did a six-pack of Jethro Tall, where I, I picked three t- tall songs, and another guy picked three tall songs, and we kind of discussed them. And uh, he, he interviewed Ian um, before the show, and he asked him, you know, if you could pick a song for the six pack, what would it be? And he picked a song off of jtoll.com and he didn't want to include it because he thought it was shit. Uh, the, <laughs> the other guy did. I, I, and I was like, I listened to it. It's not that bad. But Okay. Maybe also because, you know, it's obviously, obviously the single most 1999 album title of all time. You, I don't need to tell you that album's from 1999. <laughs> right. You just no. know. Um, and it's also got like some really weird uh, font choice and stuff. Um, 
just that cover alone is just endlessly fascinating to me. I'm not even sure if it's on streaming services or anything. It, it is. Um, okay, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Because it wouldn't be surprising if it, just from that, if, if people are like, okay, maybe. But but see, with because like the the low point before that was you know they hopped on the synth pop thing and <laughs> got all the gated drums and like like boom you know, kind of effects in there. So now I'm just wondering like. What were the, what would be the 1999 tropes that they'd be hopping on? Would it be like breakbeats or hmm. God? That may be what or I like, go or, to. Or like new metal? Oh, oh, oh! Are they, doing, are, they are they are they gonna do like like, like a biscuit a biscuit thing for once? <laughs> no aqualong flavored water. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring uh. you songs from the wood. <laughs> Limp tall or biscuit tall. I don't know. Uh, uh, I I could probably just I'll I'll come up with a list of another like five puns and you can just punch them in. There we go. (laughs) But yeah, one more thing I want to talk about before we talk about the record today is uh, we saw them live. We saw the same tour, um, and I remember seeing your little video from the night before. Like you had a great tweet where you said something to the effect of "This will now now be a Stan account for like Ian Anderson's like seventy three year old voice or something like that." <laughs> but it, specifically, it was th- this is now a Stan, Stan account for Ian's seventy uh, three year old lungs. Yeah, Oof, because because it's not just the voice; it's the flute playing, it's the moving around the stage. Which I mean, he, he, you know, it's he, he stays in place a lot of the time. But you know what I'm saying? Like he he's still doing like the the, the leg dance, the flamingo you know? thing. Yeah, he, he's still doing the. The, the, the leg on top of the other leg. Oh, flamingos. There's a name for it. That's what I call it. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I wouldn't be surprised if like the true tall heads know it's called the flamingo. Yeah, the flamingo. You know, like like like, <laughs> like Mick Jagger has the chicken. <laughs> yeah. every, every every rock star has their move. Yeah, definitely. But I thought it was a fun show. Um, yeah, I, I think there's no getting around the fact that his voice is not what it was. But it, there was something about it though that it didn't bother me as much for some reason like i went and saw a like later in the year i saw a marshall tucker band and the singer couldn't sing and i couldn't stand it but ian i was like he's still playing his, he's still playing his ass off the show's entertaining and interactive and he's pulling out some really cool stuff like i'd go see him again but like i i, I cannot lie his voice is not what it was yeah, see, I, th- I think it. See, the thing is, I think it really depends on what kind of, of band you're seeing. I'm, I'm not really all that familiar with Marshall, Marshall Tucker Band. I've heard the name around classic rock circles, yeah. but would not tell you anything. But as, but you know, just as a whole, like, even though Ian Anderson, you know, at his peak had a had a very solid voice, it was really more based around like charisma and charm than like being a belter. You yeah. know. Like, it was never really about the technical, like, the technicality of the voice was never really as important as the technicality of the instruments, you know? So, so if, so if it deteriorates a little over time, if maybe, maybe he does that, that classic rock singer thing of, like, singing the hits, but then singing each line, like, a syllable too late, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's pretty much how he did Logo Boat of Breath. Oh yeah, that that is that especially a, a lot a lot of aqua a lot of aqualung uh was 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 like that uh just like the more you the more familiar you were with the song the more you could you could detect it. Oh yeah, my god and aqualung and locomotive breath it was really noticeable. But I thought for me, too old for rock and roll sounded really good that night. I thought yeah. um, heavy horses sounded really good. Farm on the freeway sounded really good. Um, 
and passion play. I thought I thought those all sounded really good. Yeah, and I I I, I do like that because like the whole conceit of this tour for those for the for those not familiar uh, is that um is that this was a fifty years of Jethro Tull uh, tour. Uh, which was technically under his own, I think it was technically under his own name because I was looking on Celis.fm and, uh, and it was just billed as being under his, under his name. So I guess Jethro Tull themselves aren't really much of a thing anymore. Yeah. It's like um, Ian Anderson yeah. presents the music of Jethro Tull. Right. I mean, I mean, at least he has the integrity to not just, you know, put on a bunch of hired guns and say, we are, Jethro Tull. you know, it's like, cause like Martin's gone and, you know, um, but, 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 uh, so, because you know, a lot of classic rock bands are like super guilty of of like yeah. just having no no members that are on the hits. Have you seen Iron Butterfly's Wikipedia page lately? Oh God, I can only imagine. <laughs> I didn't even know they still had a lineup touring. Oh God, that must be bad. I saw them at the San Diego. Okay, this this, this is a quick tangent. I saw them at the San Diego County Fair uh, in I believe it was 2015 or so. And okay. I, and you know, I feel like I have, a, I have a little bit of a soft spot because they're, they are from San Diego. So they're, they're my psych rock boys, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but well, l- actually, you know what? Screw it. Let me, is there a way to like screen? Let me link you. You, you can <laughs> cut out any dead air. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, now that I brought it up, by the way, you can also do a, a no one meme with no one, absolutely no one, not a single soul, not even the coronavirus. Uh, Mark Berman, do you know how many members have been in Iron Butterfly? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I have a soft spot for them because I had uh, the Inagata DeVita album at a really young age for some reason. I don't know why. Like I found out they had a 17-minute song, and I was like, I have to hear that, so... I'm putting this in the chat right now. Uh, it's going to go straight to the personnel section of the Wikipedia page. By the way, I, I like the idea uh, that because th- this is another like our primor- primary form of communication, uh, like for there's a chance that like just th- this chat will be nothing but the link to this section of the Wikipedia page. Fuck, man! Jesus! Uh-uh. You could populate a a town uh, only only it's all guys but still yeah this is a major sausage fest but um <laughs> oh but that's not the main point here the main point is it takes three columns <laughs> of i believe maybe 15 each yeah and most of these people were in like the 80s yeah after they stopped putting it and their last album came out in like 75 so oh yeah my god <laughs> and they, they have a new they had a new dude that joined in 2022 now mr bernie Percy on the drums joined in 2020 but what shitty timing oh see that's not surprising at all because the one mem- member from like the actual lineup that was left when i saw them was ron bushy the drummer yeah and, but he wasn't even there that night because he was sick so they just <laughs> had another guy filling in so n- n- th- th- they are it's like people say like oh it's just basically a tribute band they are a tribute band they're a fucking tribute band that's a fucking tribute band. They're just like Foreigner. Fucking tribute band. Well, I mean, the like a couple of like, the main guys from, from Foreigner are still in there. Like, no, it's just Mick Jones, and he's not even at every well, show. But see, that's that's a step better. That's a step better than Iron Butterfly. That's what I'm saying. Like, at least there's the one anchor to the classic era. You could be like, okay, that's still there. There is nothing. Or at least, like, if Ian was to tour under Jethro Tull, at least Ian would be there. That's still better than Iron Butterfly. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oof, Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Are, are you glad that I detoured it for that? Yeah, I'm. I'm fascinated now, though. I'm going to be reading about the history of this band a little closer because. <laughs> fuck. I, wanna, I, I love I, the Inagata Devita album. I love that record. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's psychedelic perfection. You know who I do not feel envious of right now? The casting director for their biopic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I can only imagine. We're just gonna be gutting like a like a quarter of SAG. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gotta get coming soon from Paramount Pictures, Flowers and Beats, the Iron Butterfly story. <laughs> Ball. Because because I guess they dropped it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> File it somewhere between cats and the room. Um, but oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know, kind of bring it back. Speaking of former members of bands, uh, uh, um, one of the cool things about this sh- about this show is that you know it wasn't just like a concert; it was uh, it was a multimedia experience. I it really like was. I, I, I sound like the one PR classics, or, <laughs> uh, but 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 um, but. Yeah, but between a lot of the songs, they would have people come on screen, whether it be like a like a, a rock star that was influenced by them. I think Slash was on one. I, th- I want to say like maybe Corey Taylor yeah. was on one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just talk, just like introducing one of their favorite Toll songs, and then they play it. And one of the songs early on, because they're going chronologically, was before a song for Jeffrey. They had Jeffrey. Yep. They're they're, they're a former a uh, guy. Jeffrey, who was written for before he joined the band, yep, uh, and and that was nice. Yeah, it's it, it, it's just nice knowing that like okay, y'all are still y'all are still cool. Okay, yeah, there's no animosity there, and I I love that. That was something I noticed very early on. I was like, this is really cool. Like I like that. It's very very proper of them. I like that. So, yeah, yeah, it was a they, it was a fun yeah, show. They, yeah, um, and. <sighs> I, I, it is kind of funny thinking about it now, though, that it's 50 years of Jethro Tull, but they, they pretty much just stopped with Watch, you know? Pretty much. It's, it's, like, it's like that, then Farm on the Freeway, and, you know. But they didn't need they didn't need under wraps representation, is what we're saying. <laughs> it, it, it would have been cool to get Radio Free Moscow on the set, though. I, I would have been down for that. Even... Even then, like that's a solid four or five minutes. That like you know, yeah. there's 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 space. There's only a, a num- good number of space. It's, it's funny, like for pretty much the entire latter half of the seventies, they just did like just one title track for each album. They did uh, here's the here's tool tool to rock and roll from tool from rock and roll. Here's songs from the wood yep. from songs from the wood. Here's heavy horses from heavy horses. Boom, segue. You know, I never thought about that. That was also probably, like, the order they probably did it in that night, too, now that I think about it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And then just, like, brought, brought back around in the encore to, yep. you know, Aqualung and yep. the songs people really wanted. Yep. No, wanted no, no, we're not going to talk about the Catfish Rising. Nope. Just uh, stop it for on the freeway. <laughs> I've, I, I've not, I have not heard a second of it. Is, is that a good thing? I've heard half the album. It's interesting. It's Jethro Tull trying to be more basic rock and roll like it feel it's not as proggy at all it's just more like is, rock. Is, is it more like when you say that i think like benefit like along those lines or? yeah yeah kind of like think zz top doing jethro tall songs it's 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 not as back to basics as like a this was oh like no full, no no not like full, full full like white blues no 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 not, right? that, not that basic 
Okay, okay, okay. Then eh, this was an all right album, though, for what it is. I will say that. If nothing else, if nothing else, I do want to hear Rock Island, the album after Crest of a Knave, because I want to hear if those sessions were worth the shit they got for not accepting the Grammy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That, yeah, I haven't heard that one either. So yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, because like, imagine. I wonder if I now. I wonder what their acceptance speech would have been like. Well, thank you very much for for the award. We weren't really expecting this, but uh, thank you regardless, and uh, have a good night, everybody. Yeah, because like, given like, imagine if they went went up there and just like, from what I understand, like they probably would have had an attitude like, well, honestly, we don't really uh, give a shit about this, but uh, but cool. Um, yeah. I feel like, it, and if they showed that attitude, then maybe the metalheads wouldn't uh, despise them as much. Right. But still a little, still a little. And today. Yeah, and today they're the first. Bit, they were the first band to win that Grammy, and unfortunately, that's something that sticks with sticks with them in a negative way. Because which is a shame, because I I think Crestonave is a good record, and I think they deserve better. Like yeah, as far as their standing goes, it's not even their heaviest record. That's not the at all. Part. No, no. I would say, I would heaviest Jethro Tull record, maybe Stormwatch. I, I'd say pro- pro- probably either either like a either like a benefit or maybe even like a like a thick as a brick maybe in parts yeah part in parts yeah even Warchild I think in parts is pretty heavy like Sea Lion in in parts it's it's th- that one is kind of scattershot but yeah in, in those see, see because when, whenever I think Warchild I think skating away on the nice the new day which is con- which is c- contender for my favorite theirs that's a, that was a great song that was one I wouldn't have minded being on the set by the way that would have been. A great way to, I think, bring that era together. I would, I would have taken that over thick as a brick, honestly. Well, they gotta have summer. I mean, what other song? What other? Tell, tell me, man. What other song from Thick as a Brick should they have represented it with? Thick as a Brick Part Two, (laughs) 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 or drop Passion Play and and put Skating Away in that in that spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Passion Play has its fans. Yeah, good for them. But we're talking about heavy horses today, and this was an it was an interesting process to get this record that we're going to talk about nailed down because I initially came to you with the idea of let's do the late the whole late seventies era like too old for rock and roll songs from the wood, heavy horses and Stormwatch, and you like had the bold idea of let's talk about the synth period, and I was like ooh that could be fun, and then we kind of scaled it back to let's just do one album, and we picked heavy horses. Um, I picked it because. Uh, I like it a little better than Songs from the Wood. It's one of my favorite Tall albums. Um, I came to it like getting ready to go see him, actually, see Ian Anderson, and I don't know. I just fell in love with this re- this record. It's very simple, kind of compared to some of the other stuff. Like he was very much in the midst of his folk period when this came out. Like this this is Ian Anderson in the middle of his magical waltzing through the woods with his flute and his lute and you know his bongos boots. Yeah, his boots. So, yeah, he that that was where his head was very much at. He was in that same headspace he was when he did songs from the wood. And people tend to point at that one as a head like a milestone, but I like this one just a little bit better than that record. And I've never been sure why. I I just know that when it comes down to it, I play this more than songs from the wood. What about you? Hmm. I mean, I put them around the same level. I did get into this one first, yeah. uh, and and this was like one of the first ones where I was like, oh, this is an underrated. But then I, but then I went on uh, on 
on rate your meters again. I was like, oh no, this is still like in the top five highest rate of theirs. So get get get, get out of your own ass, Mark. Um, <laughs> but 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 then you know I, I got to I got to the song songs from the wood. Uh, actually, I think I got to that one pretty shortly before seeing them. And that and honestly, I think I might like that one a teensy notch more if nothing else because I feel like it's maybe a little more. It's a little more like consistently fun, a little more, a little catchier, uh, and, and also like it commits to that like because that, that one goes like hard on the on the whimsy, on the Ren Fair aesthetic, uh, and I just think it's kind of funny. It kind of has that whole vibe all the way through while still having like its own thing thematically on each song. Uh, this one, it's uh, I, uh, this one, it's it's still it's it's still consider it great, like like a like a light eight at the very least. Um, and, and like the high points are ones that probably some of the most like, again, no one mark, but have you heard this whole song though? Uh, moments, which we're, we're going to get to. Um, but yeah, I, I would still, I'd say, I think I'd still like, if I was going to make a tier list of like the must listens and then the next steps, this would probably be like, it would be a hard call on which of the yeah, top two tiers. Yeah, it's players. really on the border for me if I were to make that list too. Yeah, that's tough. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you about, just because I was curious. Uh, I've we're, we're just not just college friends. We're uh, rate your music friends now, which yep. I love. I, I I love seeing you like put put little stuff up because you know I don't have anyone else in my life that like you know friends that like are into that, so it's cool. But uh, thanks. You have a really low rating of Tool for Rock and Roll, and that was a record I. I adore that record. I'm just curious what you thought, like why, why your rating of that one was so low. I think you even called it like how not to do a musical. So, or like, I think I called like how not to do a, cause when I was DMing you, I think I called it like how not to do a narr- like, like a, a narrative self insert concept album because I got, I, this is another one I got to around the same time. Also like right before I saw, I saw them and and I, maybe it's because I also had the packaging where, like, the gatefold also had, like, this, like, comic that went along with it that kind yeah. of detailed the story, too. But, I mean, I think my, I think, I, ha- I think I just have a problem with it in concept. Yeah. And the song has kind of followed suit because, because, you know, this came out in 1976. And obviously by that point, you know. Uh, whimsical prog rock is not really the thing coming up in rock these days. So they made this. So they basically made this album where, like, the whole concept is, yeah, well, you you, you know what? Uh, maybe maybe this punk thing is gonna die out, and then we're gonna be cool again because it all comes in cycles. And you know, it all just came off, I guess, really really bitter to me hmm. in like a really unpleasant kind of way. Hmm. And it works around some songs errors. Like, if they're gonna do any song from it, on Live, I'm glad they did the title track because that and the closer, uh, the checkered flag, are probably my favorites. Actually, definitely oh, my yes. favorites on there. Uh, well, we, we're in agreement there. Checkered flag is one of my favorites. Like, there's a lyric in that song, "Isn't it grand just to be playing to the stands, dead or alive?" Like, to me, like there's something in that lyric. You know, like he's just thankful to be playing his music, and that to me was beautiful. Um, it's funny. I never looked at it as bitter. I kind of looked at it as just you know in a way a response to the critics like you know that were like oh or Jethro Tull like you know irrelevant now like no 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 we're just gonna do our thing you know this is you know it, it, we'll come back around somehow like you know we'll be okay yeah I guess I just prefer when like I mean on records 
on records that they would bounce, in my opinion, bounce back with, like Song from the Wood and like Heavy Horses, like, they prove that by just making really damn good music and, like, you know, th- like, showing, not telling That's about fair. it. That's I, I, I suppose. And also, like, the, the story there, like, it's not really as interesting, it's not really as interesting musically, I don't think, like, and and it also hits a couple weird, like, genre notes that I don't think game's really suited for, and some of the story beats are a little basic for me and don't really resonate much, but, like, but, again, like, it's got a couple of those high points that I'm glad are the ones that they've stuck to in the live set, so we can at least have that as a common ground. We do. That's cool. All right. And it's still and it's still not as bad as as un, as under wraps or walking to life. So, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> oh man, we're under wraps. Someday, someday, man, someday, someday, the whole era, the we're, whole we're era. Do, because because there, there's a narrative between a broadsword and that that needs to be exp- that needs to be deep dove in. Yeah. And into. I I realize I misspoke now. I've never heard a, so I'm gonna have to get that one. But okay. yeah, let's 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 kick off the track by track. Uh, yes, the, the Mouse Police Never Sleeps, uh, a song about Ian's cat, and it's a fun way to start things off. Right away, you see what I talked about earlier. We're going for a simpler lyrical angle with this record. Basically, like he's just writing about the animals on his farm at times. You know, this is a song about his cat, and as a cat owner, I feel like it actually really fits a cat because like it's kind of frantic and stop starty. Like my cat running down the hall at night keeping me awake. I love you, Apollo. Um, so yeah, I love the flute solo in this one. Um, it ma- This album kind of masters the prog music, folk music blend he started on the last record. Um, and it's funny, he mentions Weathercock in this song, which is the closing track. Um, I love, like I said, Start Stop, and it makes me feel like the cat's prowling, and at the end, the mouse police intensifies. Yep, yep. I, I mean, I, I guess I just put him in the same in the same uh, category as like an Aesop rock. Like they, they made a song, he made a song about a cat yeah. and it's, and, and it's also like, and, and you know, it's also, but it's also like poetically interesting Yeah, because like the line that I took a stanza that was um with claws that, that rake a furrow red licensed to mutilate from warm milk on a lazy day to dawn patrol on honey, on hungry hate. Like that's not like just, it's like, it's about a cat, but it's not like, distractingly about a cat right you know so 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 like because of that like you can take the charm from it knowing it's about a cat but like it doesn't come off stupid as a result because it's still like smartly written i suppose it is yeah it's like poetry it's definitely poetry and he's very good with his lyrics like never like they never feel like basic like they never like even though i said this is like more basic you know lyric writing for him in a way, it's it's basic in the sense that it's not as deep as like a you know my god or a wind wind up type of song. It's just a song about a cat, but the way it's written is very well done. So. Right? Yeah, because it's his his default for vocabulary. Like he, he it's it would be very jarring. It's very jarring if he ever says like a, a cliched idiom or something. Right. Because because like he he just has this naturally very like gather around the fire and let me weave you a yarn, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of, or whatever the term is, kind of uh, approach to uh, storytelling. Uh, and I think that, but it's also got this, uh, I keep, it's for the drinking game, whimsical uh, kind of vibe. Like there's this kind of, you know, uh, I think that they just like, Jethro, the cool thing about Jethro Tolls Me compared to other prog bands that I couldn't, I haven't really been able to get into 
uh, and I forget how much of that we talked about on air right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that what I like about them I th- is that, and I think that I might throw like a super champ in, or like a Russian, like a similar lane sometimes, is that they stop from they they stop themselves from getting really up their own asses like some other prog bands just because of like the the smirk that they have when they right. talk about this stuff. You know what right. I'm saying? Ian's not taking himself too seriously. Like you're not going to get a Tales of Topographic Oceans out of Ian or a ELP. <laughs> uh, I forget what the big long Emerson like Tarkus. 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 Yeah, you're not going to get a Tarkus out of him. Honestly, I'll be oddly enough, I kind I kind of like Tarkus actually. <laughs> which, I, I could see which, which which feels very off brand for me. I know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I could I could see him doing the song about the cross dressing. Uh, was it cross dressing nun? I, I, it's been uh, so yeah, long yeah, since I've heard it, that album. Yeah, that that that, that it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna c- copy paste what I said in my story about that okay. uh, because that's one of the albums I got to from that bin. Uh, is is uh. 2112 did that whole 20 minute title track then six other songs strategy like better totally. but like this still came out came out but elp still came out solid enough you know yeah totally and speaking of whimsy uh acres wild this is another lighthearted, yes! lighthearted folk number it feels like he's like i can see him dancing through the woods kind of like in a monty python-ish fashion and this song is just horny. Like, uh, like he's listing all the places on, he'll make love to this woman. Like, obviously she gets his catfish rising. Mary makes his eyes go cross-eyed. Oh. We're playing songs from his oh. wood. Like, Ian wants to fuck. But it's a classy wanting to fuck song. Um, I love this. I love this one. It's just it's just fun. It's lighthearted. I love it. it it's whimsy. He wants he wants to bungle in, the, in your jungle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wants to go skating on her thin ice. <laughs> she makes him thick as a brick. Oh, 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 yeah. He tunes in Radio Free Moscow, and he's showing her his broadsword. <laughs> he's cresting in her nave. <laughs> give me a sec, 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 give me a sec. He's finishing um, on the Rock Island. <laughs> I didn't think you had this in you, man. Oh, yeah, no, I am, a, I am a filthy motherfucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> teacher <laughs> and that and and that is a passion play and she, she balances him on her nose like a sea lion with a ball <laughs> you could you could call this a song from the wood you could <laughs> this was definitely a song from the wood uh but penis metaphors okay. aside this is a great track <laughs> yes yes that was wonderful that uh was. yeah i mean okay this is the this is the first line I had written for my notes. <clears throat> How did Jethro goddamn Toll pull off hopping onto the disco bandwagon better than Elton John? <laughs> you know, I, this is a very dancey song. I never thought of that. No, it's a, it's 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 a disco song, but just but, but here's the thing: like it translates perfectly because like instead of like the string section you would have from a. Instead of the, that, like swell of strings you would have on like a classic disco song, you got those Ren Fair fiddles, you know. Instead of the the Nile Rodgers like chucking guitar style, you got that mandolin kind of going off in the distance. So like everything just kind of translates in a way that it really should not on paper. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. That may be the it, hot it, take of the episode. My God, man, that was brilliant. 
and I realized, and I re- that I put all that together. Like I, I was already obsessed with this song. Uh, this is one. This is like the no one. This is this is this is a go to. Like as soon as I hear someone's into classic rock, and I want to be a li- and I want to be a little scoundrel. Uh, this is one of the Oscorp songs for me. Uh, because because it's it's Jethro Tull making a disco song and it actually slaps. It does, and it's hard too, might I add. Hard. Yeah, this is this is their best, like this might be the the hot take. Uh this is this is their best like straight pop song. For sure. You know, you know what? I might have to agree with I agree with you. I think Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like me Bungle in the Jungle, sure. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah, that's, that's fine. No, but like, but like this, this goes. It does. It really does. Like this, this was something like when I started listening to this again to get ready for the episode. Like I found myself like if I just had time to listen to one song, like doing stuff around the house or taking the dog outside, I would go to this song. So yeah, it's definitely kind of in my brain a little deeper now. But yeah, wow, that was that was deep. Hashtag deep. I, I just now realized we did all of those dick jokes and not one mention of the weathercock. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. No, uh, I mean, it's, it's 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 too late. We only refer to it late. in the meta. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> weathercock is floating in the meta. Meta. And with that, um, here's a song for Ian's kid. <laughs> no lullaby. Oh no. Yeah, that was a good transition. Uh, You're canceled. Uh, uh, I I fear no cancel culture. I <laughs> I am just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I the love only it. cancel the only cancellations I fear are the are the tours, baby. Basically, yeah, and I, I feel I feel like that my that my monkeys tickets and my Santana tickets are that was worthless. Now, um, <laughs> I, I I mean, if you got them from Ticketmaster, who boy? Uh, I, I don't even remember. I'm I'm not holding out hope though. But yeah, no lullaby. Uh, this is an interesting song. Uh, like I said, written for Ian's son. Uh, it it's funny. I didn't know that going into the album. Um, but as I was listening to it, I, I started listening closer to the lyrics. Like, there's a lock on the window, there's a chain on the door, a big dog in the hall, but there's dragons and beasties out there in the night to snatch you if you fall. And I was like, this sounds like he's telling a kid a story to, like, keep him from, like, doing something dumb. And I started doing some Googling, and sure enough, it was written for his son, Trevor. Um, oh. This is probably my least favorite song in the first half, but I, I still really like really? it. Really? Yeah, it's not bad. I don't think it's there's for the record. There's nothing on this album I would skip, but this for me, like if we're taking the first section of the album, like this is the the one that kind of like goes over my head most of the time. But it's still not a bad song. I am fascinated by that because I mean because I think that the thing that separates the song from the others is that uh, this one it because it, you know with a lot of the other songs on this because you know this is kind of part of, part of like that folk quote unquote trilogy. That they did, you know, from Songs of the Wood through this, through Stormwatch. Um, this one, you know, the, the ties are pretty tenuous on this record to that whole thing. Even I saw a couple quotes where even Ian himself even admits it's more of like a, a spiritual connection than like a, a sonic one. This is just straight prog. Like this is just straight prog rock in like that they would have put out like in in the early 70s glory year, glory day. But it's just like it's all in four four. But there's like this really interesting rhythmic interplay, especially with like some of the drumming, where like it doesn't feel like it's in four four, and that's very hard to do. Um, like the drum work again is just crazy on this thing. It, it like fills in all these random sixteenths in like these sections, like in the intro and some of the instrumental breaks across its nearly eight minute runtime. 
uh, just changing up the groove and tempo whenever certain parts repeat. For, for, and for me, this thing just kind of flies by. Uh, and and lyrically, it's pretty nice too. It's uh, it's 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 it's. I wrote down it's a motivational song for the realist, you know, yeah. because the, the the message of it is like, hey, uh, I'm not gonna say that everything's gonna be all right because you kind of you kind of screwed in some areas, but but hey, you can you can do it, kiddo, you know. Right, right. The the world the world is you know is scary, but you'll be okay. And that's a that's kind of kind of a message we need right now, right? Definitely. Right? Definitely, I, I agree. It, it it's it's a fitting album, and, and and just kind of on that on that note, this album was a warming presence this week with everything that was going on. It felt like a, it really reminded me. I grew up on a farm, so this album really made me feel right at home listening to it again. So, <laughs> it was definitely I'm, a warmth <laughs> to it. I think. I'm you know without spoiling, I am curious how the title track's gonna hit you now. Oh yeah, um, we'll, we'll, but but we'll there. but yeah, this is without question one of one of my one of my favorites uh, on here. I, I gave it the, on the Rate Your Music, I, I have this, Acres Wild, and one other song here um, at, at around the 4.5 mark. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, next, we're going to jump into uh, the, the lone single from the album, Moths. Uh, this song is, is self-explanatory in its title. It's about moths, but it's goddamn gorgeous. It's very evocative in its lyrical imagery. And the vocals kind of push and pull with the flute, like he sings and then he flutters on his flute, and he sings and he flutters on his flute, and it's great. Um, Ian, if you're out there and you're listening to this, I don't know why you would be, but if you are, please revive this for the Prague Years tour that's hopefully happening in 2021. Please. Well, I, I, I mean, he's clearly all up on the podcast circuit right now. He's probably like, like going back and forth on some emails with, uh, with, with like Earwolf right and stuff right now, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. He's probably talking to, to maybe he's gonna hop on. You know, are you talking REM Remy any second now? If you if it feels like that, you know, that would be cool. But yeah, I dig this one. I think it's pretty and like it feels like a summer night to me. I feel like it's kind of like a warm. I know he didn't attend this, but it's a warm North Dakota night, and I can see moths and lightning bugs, and I'm outside with the dog. Yeah, if it, it it was a great listen. Like this song hit me more than it did the first time. So. What do you think? <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that. I do think it's it's a really it's a really nice song. It's one of the more kind of fun and take a drink whimsical ones because like it's like you know the the those mandolins and lutes or whatever are like very those are the things driving things here and it's got the kind of a kind of like a that that, 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 that kind of swing, kind of rent fair swing to it. Uh, you like you could sync this up with like the safety dance video. You know? <laughs> that would be cool. But my one thing is. Weird single choice. I agree. I agree. Because I would have picked something else. I would have picked Acres Wild or something. When I hear, because like this is one song where like it doesn't like it doesn't like immediately stick in my head. Like after like after I'm done listening to it, like I, I enjoy it when it's on. But I wonder. Imagine the alternate timeline where Acres Wild was the single. Jeff, That's all I'm saying. And Jethro Tull has a second Renaissance in the late seventies, and not just the fair. Oh yeah, like, no. Yeah, that would be great. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, who knows if that if that had happened, if Chrysalis or I think they were Chrysalis. It's still Chrysalis, yeah. Okay, yeah. If if they were smart enough to to switch out that single release, then that they might have not felt desperate enough to make those synth albums, and then we wouldn't be here right now. That's true. That's true. That could have been interesting. Like, uh, in the light might have never happened, and. We would have an alternate timeline where they just kept up the folk rock thing through the 80s, which would have been interesting. It definitely would have been interesting. 
Yeah, we'll never know. I I mean, they probably wouldn't have gotten uh, heavy enough to to beat Metallica. Oh God, no! Oh God, no, no! They would have not. And and imagine the reputation now as a result of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thanks, Moths. Yeah, (laughs) thanks, Moths. Collectively, all of you. All of now die. Oh, I mean, if if it's I guess it's the same consolation, all the moths that were that probably inspired the song are dead by now. So probably, and but with, to their grandchildren, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and with that, yeah. journeyman. And to me, this is the weird one on the album for me because musically, it's not musically weird to me, but lyrically, it's about travel and being on a train. And this album feels very like grounded in like Ian's home life at the time, very grounded on the farm. So it's strange to have a song about traveling on the album, but it's not a bad song by any means. It's still prime tall, and it reminds me a bit of Cross-Eyed Mary, actually, but it's the outlier for me on the album. It's the one that, like, I don't know, I feel this would have maybe actually fit better on Stormwatch. Yeah, this is probably the the one, the closest thing to a skip for me on this whole record, Same. Pers- Same. personally. Uh, like, it's got a decent groove and all, but, like, it's, but, like, there's no real hooks to it outside that one really simple riff that doesn't really build to much, and I feel like they're convinced that the vibe of it is more badass than it is. Yeah. Like, the guitar tone just, just kind of sits there. It doesn't really, like, go anywhere in a way that you think the riff would take it to. Uh, so it's just kind of, like, it's fine. You know? It, it's kind of a filler track for me. It's there. No, And, I mean, the next couple of tracks, I don't think I'm going to have too much to say about either. Uh, but this, but, but I think I still think I, I like the next two more than this. This one's fine, but it's like it pushes it from a decent to strong eight to a light to decent. Right. I'll say. Shout out Needle Drop. Um, with that, uh, we move into like a song that I, I actually probably have more to say about than you. Then, and that's Rover. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. A song about Ian's dog. I love how freewheeling and whimsical it is. Take a shot. Um, it literally feels like the music that would play as like while well, a dog frolics around a farm chasing a butterfly or something like that. It's so wholesome and reminds me of growing up on the farm in a strange way. Slip the chain, I'm off again. I can just see, you know, the dog taking off after something. And Ian's just really having fun. I, there's some marimba on here and Martin Barr's little guitar riff sticks in my head like glue. Great flute going on. Yeah, this song is incredible. Like this is a this is a top tier tall song for me. Okay, I, I really have uh, nothing to add to that. Actually, um, because I, I I have more or less the same thoughts as with as with Journeyman that it just didn't really stick with me all that much. I, I think it, I do still like it a tad better. Um, but yeah, I really have nothing to contribute on on this one. I, I think it might just go from listen to listen on how much it really sticks with me. That's fair. Up next, we got uh, One Brown Mouse, the cousin song to Mouse Police, but it's vi- this one feels more folky, possibly the most folky song on the album in a way. Like, this is the most, you know, Ren Fair song on the album. Just a song about a little pet mouse, and it's beautiful in its simplicity. I love the instrumentation again. It's just a gorgeous song, but like you, I don't have much to say about this one other than it's cute. I feel like we're both going to have a lot to say about this next song, and it's the one song from the album he played when we both saw him, and that's Heavy Horses. Although he played it in edited form. Uh, I Ties with the next song as my favorite on the album, and Ian has called this the Equestrian Aqualung. It's the closest thing on the album we get to a prog epic a la My God or Minstrel in the Galley. Only in Jethro Tull could you get a second verse that opens like this. 
Let me find you a proud Philly seed for your proud, sorry, for your proud stallion seed to keep the old line going and we'll stand you abreast at the back of the wood beyond the yew trees showing. Like, you don't get verses like that in rock and roll talking about breeding horses. Like, it's a strange yeah. thing, but it works. It works so well in this song. It's a tribute to the workhorses in Britain and, like, all, like they used to, you know, plow fields and, tra and travel for everybody. And, you know, they've all been replaced by cars, you know, like, and he kind of laments that, you know, like, you know, when we run out of all this oil, we're going to, like, you know, basically be coming back to you. And it's yeah. gorgeous. It's it's very pretty. I love the movements of the song. Uh, it's, yeah, it ties with the next song as my favorite. I love it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the first note I've written here is Acres Wild is my favorite, but this is the best. Like, I, th I think that's, that's entirely fair <clears throat> because, you know, I never, it's, it's sort of like what you're saying, like, I never thought I'd get so pulled into the emotional turmoil of horses as they're rendered obsolete by innovations in farming technology, right. but nine minutes later, here we are. Yeah, it's and weird. Also this, yeah, and also the second verse, I think, is about the horse getting put into a petting zoo or something. That's what? just an oof. That's, no, the second verse is the one where he's talking about find, finding the horse to breed the horse. Yeah, but after, 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 after that, let me just, uh, let me just, uh, Look here, because I I have I do have the sleeve in front of me right now. Yeah, what's funny? By the way, shout out to the remaster job. Cool booklet, but no lyrics. So what the fuck? I mean, I mean, they know in 20, 2018 you got genius. That's true. Um, let me just uh, see here. Uh, yeah, to, to hide you from eyes that mock at your girth and your eighteen hands and eighteen hands at your shoulder. Uh. And I don't know, I, feel, I, feel like I kind of took that as like, well, the only thing you're good for now is for, like, tourists to to look at the funny horsey. That's fair. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're pulled into the plight of British horses, and only, only Jethro Tull, only Ian what? Anderson could do this to you. Only. Only, only Tull, only Tull. Uh, 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 Sticks could never. No. We have, we have no choice but to stand. Yeah. No, I, I I will agree. Sticks could not pull me into a song about horses like this. <laughs> Although, pieces of eight, heavy horses, pieces of eight. Anyways. <laughs> Wait, I, I wasn't looking at, what were you doing? Were you using there? I, I just, I said pieces of eight, heavy horses, pieces of eight. That's another talk for another day, boy. <laughs> If, yeah. if if you were around for the twenty four hours on that story, and that that was part of the, I think that was part of the free air conversation. So that's a callback to a thing you will not know about. <laughs> oh man, no, we I think we talked about that at the beginning, but I I I I digress. This this is a great song. This is a great song, and yeah, no, no I will agree with you though. Mister De Young could not write. I don't know. I couldn't see Mister De Young writing a song about the plight of horses and sucking I like that. I. I just, I just thought of another band that we talked about. I mean, honestly, I mean, it doesn't even, have, it doesn't even have to be, have to be a band I have mixed feelings on. Supertramp could never. There, I said it. No, they could. Supertramp, Supertramp probably could not write a song about about horses being afraid of tractors. That's very true. I, I couldn't see that either. Like, sorry, Roger Thompson, but it's true. I think that's the guy's name. Wait, did you say t Roger Thompson? Wasn't that, isn't that his name, Roger it's, Thompson? It's, Hod it's Hodgson, you poser. Oh, Hodgson. Okay. Well. There you go. <laughs> Shows how Quick side note: I almost got around to listening to his second solo album because one of the ones I had in this box uh, was a cassette of his second solo album uh, that he put out in the '80s. 
but because cassettes freaking suck, uh, I did I did not was I did not get sound when I put it into my all in one turntable, and I'm and I'm sad now. A quick sidebar on Roger Hodgson. I didn't know this, but uh, I've been getting into Yes lately. And uh, he was considered to be the lead singer on the 90125 album. That's the album with Owner of a Lonely Heart. He was considered for that, but uh, they ended up getting John Anderson back. So, Was this before or after the Buggles? This is after the Buggles. Okay. I mean, that's probably a step up, right? Yeah. That's probably a step up. I can see, it would be interesting. It's an interesting alternate timeline to think about, for sure. And I, I they, like the idea that, that Yes is just like, that's their MO now, is they just pluck slightly less successful bands <laughs> into their clan That's into true. their prog into their pro- weird prog clan to just to, 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 to just be this behemoth to dominate uh, another decade one way or another god damn it the only thing i know that really came out of that is I forget the name of the song, but I, I just uh, shout out Amoeba Records. You can still order shit from them online. They'll deliver it to you. Um, I got one of their 90s albums, and I noticed there's a co-write with him on one of their 90s albums. So something clearly came huh. from that. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what I think of that later. But yeah, just weird nice. history. Weird prog nice. history. Prog is sometimes very incestuous, it seems like. I mean, that's how you get bands like Asia. And Iron Butterfly. <laughs> well, actually, that's all our thing, but I just want to keep bringing that up any chance I get. Tune in next time. Welcome to Ballcast, the Iron Butterfly pod- Podcast. <laughs> in the podcast of Eden. In the pod of Eden. <laughs> bringing it all home, uh, Weathercock, a very medieval-feeling proggy folk song, and it's a song about a rooster on Ian's farm. Uh, this song is just as gorgeous and perfect. It's the best way to end the album. I love the drums. It feels very old world in a way, like, I don't know, like, like from the old country. Usual? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I love Ian's flute playing. Uh, Martin Barr hitting us with some tasty licks at the end. And there's some nice interplay with this, with this flute where they're playing the same thing as the guitar. It's great. It's such a cool song about a, about a rooster. And I, being the dumb American I am, when I saw that title the first time, I'm like, weathercock, like, 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 like cloud penis. Or Nimbus Dong? I don't know. That's the name of my tribute band. Nimbus Dong. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you think of this? No, one? no, actually, no, no. It would be it would be songs from the wood, but like wood is in, wood is italicized. <laughs> songs from the wood. You've got a very phallic flute <laughs> that you cradle well, the end skin, of skin, skin flute. Like, let's just get that joke out there right the, now. The skin flute. Yes. But what do you? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there is someone that's been making breakfast for the last hour or so listening to this and just yelling in the kitchen, make a skin flute joke, god damn it! <laughs> oh, yeah, just... And like, for you, good sir or ma'am, we don't discriminate on the dick jokes, you're welcome. Five yeah, stars. Enjoy, en- enjoy your skin flute. Although be, although be gentle with it, trust me. Okay, uh, but but uh, the weather cock. Uh, <laughs> we should stop right now. Uh, but, but, uh, anyway, uh, so the classy kind of weather cock... Um, I think that really, I think that, I'm not sure if this is, it's not my favorite song on here, but I think it's the one that is the clearest, like, melding of Jethro Tull, prog rock, and folky stuff. Because, you know, it has this very traditional feeling tune about moving on to the next day, and it's, it's, it's again, got that kind of safety dance aesthetic, you know, kind of, uh, 
Renvare, like, you know, it's a jaunty tune, you know? Yep. And it also helps that, like, it, it kind of builds instrumentation as it goes on, going from just an acoustic to, to, like you're saying, like, those tasty licks and, like, the that kind of bigger rock crescendo uh, where you can see, like, more and more villagers forming a line and as they also jaunt to this tune, yep. you know? Yep. Perfect. It's perfect image for this and, song. And, and, and I don't know, after kind of, like, the darker stuff going on, especially the title track, like, it's kind of nice to have this kind of traditional thing about just, simple thing about just moving on to the next day, hearing yep. the weather, and, yep. and move on. It's, yep. it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice kind of pleasant note to uh, go out on for a, an album that thematically can be a little bit uh, tumultuous. Yeah, and uh, as you know, as we kind of, you know, alluded to earlier, it's a perfect song for right now, too. Like, you just got got to keep going. You got to move to the next day right now. And this, you know, song is perfect for that. So, yeah, that's a very good point. And this, in in my mind, actually, this marks the end of the folky period for Tell From Me. I don't think Stormwatch is all that folky. but It's, te- it's, like, it's like it's technically part of the era, but, like, honestly, like, Stormwatch, I... I kind of struggle to think of a song from that album that like really sticks with me i like i like it when i listen to it but like i can never put it up like above like a light seven personally there's some songs on there that really stick with me i like uh home a lot i like uh dark ages and flying dutchman uh elegy which is the instrumental that closes it i think it's really pretty uh their bass player died uh, and that's kind of like a in memoriam right. to him type song so i like that one oh like yeah that. Flying, Flying Dutchman. Uh, I I like the I like I, I like that on title alone. You know, as as the resident SpongeBob referencer. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, Ian Anderson and SpongeBob would be funny. I could I could see he 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 has just enough of a weird sense of humor to do it. I mean, if they I, can get Davy Jones, I was about to say if they could get Davy. Jo- I was just about to say if they could get Davy Jones on there, like they would they like. But you know what? The weird music taste that was Hillenburg's thing. Oh yeah, I'm not sure if you know that because okay, because one of the first albums, like my introduction to indie rock, was the SpongeBob movie soundtrack. Oh, I know what you're gonna talk about. Then yeah, <laughs> you know about this little factoid about I, I I don't know the factoid that you're gonna mention, but like I I know that like the Flaming Lips were on there. I remember the Shins, Wilco, Ween. Um, but here's the thing: so Wayne Coyne from Flaming Lips. Uh, he initially wanted to get Justin Timberlake on on their on their song, I think, like early on. But Steven Hillenburg actually turned him down and said, "We don't want any of that pop shit on there." Interesting. So I feel like he would he would be the the mind of the SpongeBob crew that would say, "Let's get Ian Anderson to play a whimsical narrator." Or something. Yeah, I, I, I could get behind that 100%. And just to kind of bring this all home, so this yeah. album, in a way, starts the end of the folk era, Like, if, depending on where you fall on Stormwatch. After this, we, we move into we move into Broadsword, and we move into A, and Under Wraps. Like, it was an interesting mm. transition for Tull at that time. And I heard Ian even say, one of my buddies who interviewed him actually, you know, said something to the effect of, you know, well, do we keep doing the thing we've been doing all this time? Or do we change? You know, it's very hard to decide. And I feel like the move wasn't totally, it wasn't totally like a commercial thing. Like, it's not like what Theory of a Dead Man did with <laughs> their new record, which is like very, very... Why did you listen to that? 
I have a soft spot for them. I saw them over with the Motley Crew. I don't think they're as bad as people make them out to be, but I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That album is pandering. It's pandering so hard. I mean, what do you expect a butt rock band to do in 2020? That's the question. And they don't know the answer either. Yeah. I, I, look, I've heard worse, honestly, but like, man, so much pandering. So mm. much pandering. Yes. Um, I, I mean, the, the shortening of the name alone. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 don't, I can't explain why it it gives me a weird feeling. It just does. Um, but, but, but where was I? Where was I? Where was I? I was going somewhere with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know that the synth era isn't a commercial move because it, the production stayed in-house. Like, I'm not sure, in case you guys don't know, Ian is, like, the producer on all the Jethro Tull albums. He was also the producer on the synth era albums, and this was his first, obviously, that means he was it was his first time working with synths and drum machines on an album, and you can tell. <laughs> on A? Well, it's weirdly enough best on A. That's the really? weird thing. Like, like, like you could see, like, honestly, I think it, if we get to it, if we get into a whole retrospective on this, who knows? But I'll say right now, like, I actually think A on average is is okay. I appreciate what it's going for because, in some ways, it's like a less. In some ways, it's like a less realized version of what like Rush would do with like integrating prog rock. With since just Toll was just a little more sloppy about it, but you could see where they were going with it, even if even if it's kind of trash in moments. But you could at least kind of have like a begrudging appreciation for A, uh, especially because that wasn't even that wasn't even intended to be uh, a Toll album, by the way. It was right. meant to be an Anderson album, yeah. Oh wow, hence the name. But they just but the company was like, nah, uh, your name doesn't have the money. Toll has the money. In 1980, yeah, um, but 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 uh, and then but but they actually weirdly enough they got worse with each one because I think they like picked different bands they wanted to try to emulate because like they they were trying for like a like a hybrid genre like rushy kind of thing in 1980 which you could see in some reality that working then by under wraps they're trying for like a i don't know duran duran thing and it's just <laughs> it's just like no stop and, it and yet martin barr says that's one of his favorite jethro tall albums i saw I, I i i saw that quote and i convinced myself it was a fever dream no i i found i found like it in different places now and different statements of him saying it so it's 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 weird it's it's like we're living in a david lynch movie but it's it's true I I I I mean it's it's uh, I don't know maybe is he just senile I don't know maybe I don't know he's got he's got his Martin Barr excuse me he's got his Martin Barr plays the music of Jethro Tull thing that he does and you know it's an interesting band I've listened to some of their stuff like they sound all right go see them if you get the chance yeah I, I the, that would be a very interesting uh, counterpoint yeah for sure because like like for example I. Uh, this is this is a sidebar. I mean, I feel like we're kind of more or less done with the record itself. Uh, yeah. There is a point where uh, I'm not sure how into heart you are. I love heart. I love okay. love heart because because uh, you know there's a couple years lately when they were when they were uh, on bad terms. Yeah. The most 
Uh, and uh, I, in within the span of a few months, saw Nancy Wilson's band at the San Diego County Fair, and then I saw Ann Wilson uh, solo as an opener for a uh, Paul Rogers and Jeff Beck show. Interesting. Actually, actually at the same amphitheater I saw Toll at. Um, oh, okay. Okay, so it was that it was at uh, Irvine Amphitheater. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five point. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, so I got to see side by side, and I definitely preferred the Nancy Wilson one just because uh, Anne had like a like covers album that was coming yeah, out at the time, and it was very heavy on the covers, and and there's like like maybe one or two or maybe three part songs, but like, and it was also an opening slot, so. Um, but, 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 uh, yeah, so I, I saw both. That was an interesting counterpoint. And then I wound up seeing Hart, like, as Hart. Uh, I wanted to see that tour so badly. Yeah, yeah, when, when they finally did come together last year. Uh, and that, and, uh, that was, like, as much as I did come away really enjoying the Nancy Wilson one, like, that was, that was by far the best one. And I'm, but I'm glad I saw all three because yeah. that is just an interesting, an interesting experience, I suppose, as as a, a dork such as myself. Yeah, and Anne is actually going to go out and do some more solo dates, or she was, and I don't know anymore, but she was planning. Uh, uh, I'll say I'll uh, say this for her solo record: it's not bad. I enjoy it. I enjoy her voice. Her song selection is interesting, but I saw the set list that she was doing, and it's just if you're going as a heart fan, as a heart fan, I can see how that would be very hard to stomach. Yeah, I, 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 heart, heart, heart to stomach. Heart to stomach. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's, that's a, uh, that's one of those like classic, uh, like, like eighties like he- try hard, try hard, uh, slam review headlines. You know, more like it's it's heart to stomach. Yeah. <laughs> um, like if you were gonna, yeah. What, what was it? What was I gonna? Uh oh oh, oh yeah, but I guess I just. I like talking about like the the not the best albums. I like talking about like the weird side experiment stuff. Oh, I do too. I I, I love that stuff. Like it's fun. It's more interesting at times. Like yeah, it, there's a term for it. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, so I've been reading this book while I've been listening to all these records. Uh, this book uh, called by Stephen Hyden called Twilight of the Gods. Okay. Are you familiar with it at all? I've heard that name. Is that a Zeppelin book? Because that's what it sounds uh, like. It, it mentioned it, it. It talks about Zeppelin in points, um, but uh, it's it's a book by this um, music writer Stephen Hyden, who who, who I follow, uh, and he bas- it's basically a book about being a classic rock dork years after the fact, and basically coming at it from like all angles imaginable. Oh, I have um, to read this now. This, this this sounds like my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he, 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 and. And I feel like it's the kind of thing where, like, you need to be, like, way deep in it in order to, like... I mean, you can appreciate it on a level, but, like, in order to, like, really get it, like, like there is a certain... It requires a certain level of, of classic rock intelligence in order to... Um, but, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, uh, you really need to... But, but, like, but anyway, at one point, he talks about the phenomenon of... He, what, he, the, what he coined as the good-bad album. Yeah. Where, where he, the example he gave is that, and I have not gotten really into the Stones, but he uses the Stones as an example. Like, sure, you can talk about how some girls are exile on Main Street are these masterpieces, but have you heard about Black and Blue though? You know? Oh my God! Yes, yes, I remember. 
and, and he just like like and he just lo- loves like the idea of it and like it as a phenomenon and like how it exists in context and just finds that conversation so much more interesting. Oh hell yeah! I'd love. I'd rather talk yeah. about black and blue or undercover or dirty work than some girls. And I love some girls, but fuck, those other ones are so much more fun. Yeah, and, 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 like my example is my example, and this is one that he briefly mentions uh, in that section is that I'm, I guess a a mid level Beach Boys aficionado. Uh, obviously, there's an endless amount to get to, uh, but. Yeah, there's an en- there's an endless amount to get to get to. I I'm not even sure I've, I've heard more than half, but anyone can talk about pet sounds. A- anyone can talk about smile. You know, any maybe maybe even surfs up if you're really feeling if you're really feeling like the music the cool music critic about it. But have you heard "Love You"? <laughs> that's the question, because that's the one that has all these synths and I'm putting together a conspiracy theory about how it was actually an elaborate self parody on Brian's part because he was bitter about the nostalgia boom that, that they were getting and like see that's a, such a weird I, conversation just like that, that, that I, that I, I am would... sucked all the way into the beach boys now <laughs> like like I, I I'm in I'm in <laughs> and this conspiracy theory is based on nothing I cannot stress enough it's just from context stuff from what I know, like this is the stuff that these are the things that I think about, and 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 like that's the thing I would want to base a podcast on. Not like, oh hey, uh, the chord progression in God only knows is really interesting because you know, uh, you, you don't need me to tell you that. No, it's you hear that song and you know, but man, yeah, it's also. Funny. Also, did you know they had an 11 minute disco song in 1979? That's another band that Jethro told did disco better than. <laughs> Send me that shit. Send me that shit, man. I Do you really to... want to listen to all 11 minutes of it? For the greater good, I will. <laughs> okay, just put a punch in at the end of, of your reaction. I don't know. <laughs> I'll do some kind of like, hey, I'm about to sit down and listen to that thing we talked about. Uh, yeah, and, and then, I'll, I'll, then I'm going to put a little like, Thing of me going much, much later, and then we'll do whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, just start, just start like a slide on YouTube channel and make it an unedited eleven minute reaction video. <laughs> just my just, and I'm not even saying anything. Probably like my jaw, my facial expression is just changing throughout the thing comically. I'll say it all. I will say it honestly. All. It's it is funny that you mentioned the Beach Boys. I, my curiosity in their, I guess you could say their weird era, was sparked by. Do you watch Todd in the Shadows? Do I watch Todd in the Shadows? I've been binging all all of the One Hit Wonderlands to keep myself sane, good sir. Did Did you watch his uh, Train Records album for that one Beach Boy album? For Summer in Summer Paradise. Yep. Yes. Oh that. my god. I, 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 yeah. I had no idea they made a record like that. Oh my god. Hey, all hey, the cringe. Well, uh, it's it, it's it's a love thing. All the cringe. Uh, for those of you guys not aware, that's the album that came out uh, after Coke, after the whole Kokomo boom, and it's and it uh, uh, sold, I think, like like a couple hundred copies in the first week, and you can't find it anywhere. And it also has like those '90s jock jam sounds. Oh yeah, like there is a uh, talk rap song on there with Mike Love trying to do his best. I, I don't even wouldn't. I can't even compare it to a rapper. He's so white. I I, 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 I want to say it's like. 
like a like like a boomer tone loke. I don't that's know. Perfect. But, 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 but like, but like that—that's an insult to tone loke. But you know, he's kind of like a people all around from across the nation want to come around for some excitation. He says excitations. He yes. says excitations, which you can't call back to their more your more talented cousin. I I'm getting mad already. I haven't even heard the album, but I but I'm still. Maybe that's an episode we do along. Like somewhere along the line, we do an episode where we start and we talk at the beginning, and we go and we listen to it, and then we just come back with our our, our like immediate reactions to it, just like our fresh fresh takes on it. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I kind of want, yeah, um, but yeah, but but even then, the the Beach Boys disco thing. I don't know if it was better than Elton John's. That's maybe on the same level. I don't know. I mean, because at least the Beach Boys, at least the album that the 11 Minute Beach Boy disco song came from wasn't like a full disco album. Hmm. Like Elton made a full disco album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Victim of Love, that's a disco record. And and not a good one. No. So I guess the Beach Boys, with their, their 11 minute song showed restraint. Yeah. Okay, that's... That's an that that's an okay. Can you tell I haven't made content in a long time? Oh yeah, I can tell. But dude, it, it, yeah, this is fun. This is fun. Uh, like like I feel like I should wrap this up this up for, for reasons like <laughs> and 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 please edit out as much as you need because I, I, I'm keeping it's... in the Beach Boy talk j- just because I want to give context to my reaction. But um, oh, you're actually gonna do that? Oh, I'm gonna I'm serious. Like I'm I'm really I'm really curious now because like. Like I love that stuff, like you do. I I'm always fascinated by where it goes weird in a band's catalog. Like even like I'm I'm been getting into the Who a lot. Like yeah, I love Tommy, but you know what's this? It's hard album. You know like what is that? And it's new wave Who. It's new wave Who, and it's fascinating. Tommy is one of the albums in my box. Good. I still have not gotten to that. Good. And it's just you know double album, kind yeah. of intimidating. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's that's one of my favorites by them. Uh, my favorite by them is probably "Who Are You," though. But Tommy's a good record. Tommy's a really good record. You know, you know what's funny uh, that, that I'm curious about going into that record, and obviously cut out as much as you want. Um, is that normally when there's like a critical reappraisal section on a Wikipedia page for an album, it's positive. It's it's that it's it's like a Pinkerton. Yeah. Like it started out panned, and then no, it's actually a masterpiece. Tommy's is kind of the opposite. I think it's it's not as great as people originally thought it was. Like it's very, it very much is like a rock opera in that there's like these little at times transitional songs like extra extra read all about it. Deaf dumb and blind boy can finally see, and that's the song. That's it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 because like there's like giant paragraph about how it's a masterpiece, and then giant paragraph about how actually maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I don't think as a whole it's good. It does start to get long at some point, but the songs I love on that record, I adore. I adore some of those songs. But yeah. I, well, I, okay. Yeah. My, 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 my throat is dead right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I should probably wrap it up. I've got, I've got to hang out, hang out with some friends tonight, and probably should go order food and feed the dog and all that stuff but this was fun we we might have to do another one like if people keep not staying inside we're gonna be able to crank out a lot of these man 
Sure. I mean, I, I don't know when I'm going to be getting going on my own, on my own stuff. I've, I've just been, I've just been putting my head in the sand and getting to these old records uh, for about a month now. And I feel like that's about long enough, but who, who knows when I'm, cause, cause I am planning on launching a podcast uh, at some point during, during this. And I was already planning it before this, but, but, but um, I'm hoping to like make this an excuse to make it a thing. <clears throat> and then also maybe, I don't know, work on some other music things. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. Just, just quick sidebar before I jump off. Van Weezer. You think it's still happening? Or you think this is getting pushed back? <sighs> well, they announced it like nine months ago. Yeah, we've only had one single. I, d- I mean, at this point, I, I feel like they're aiming, they're, they're pandering to the Gen Z audience so hard that they're probably not going to take physical copies into account that's my thing but then again if they're t- if the hell mega tour is being put off because i feel like they only put it out that far put out they only made the van weezer date that far in advance to coincide with the whole mega then i don't know because at weezer's rate they probably already recorded three more albums by now so who knows probably Probably, who knows? And as someone that enjoyed the Black Album, I can't wait to see where they go next. So we we will talk about that <laughs> someday. We got to do a Weezer podcast where we talk about how much I enjoy an album like Hurley, and I'm sure you. I like Hurley. I like Hurley. Okay, all right, all right. Except for... it's, it's it's not an A tier. It's not an A tier. Really? I like that better than the Blue Album. I'm. <laughs> if I if I was allowed to leave my house right now, <laughs> I, I I I I mean I mean I I'm listen I'm already more forgiving about it than a lot of Weezer fans. <laughs> you just just I, you got one guy on your side about it. Like don't push your luck. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say I'll I'll say this. I have a very interesting perspective on Weezer that I'm going to share with you someday, but I'm saving that for that episode just cuz I think sure, it, sure. it's going to lead down another rabbit hole. Uh but with all that to say, you know, thanks for doing this Mark. This was a lot of fun. Uh I'm yeah. definitely going to try and edit this and get this to be the next episode because the, the just for those listening, even though it's already dropped by now, Prince episode coming because it's Prince month and I love Prince. So there you go. Okay, nice. Uh, and yes, um, I mean, I can't emphasize, emphasize this enough. Please cut out like the second you think like, oh, is that, is, is that necessary? Just keep that chopping block. Like, <laughs> just like keep the guillotine of content just right above head and do not hesitate for a second because yeah. I, our, our brains are not good right now. <laughs> I, I think this was prime discussion, but hey, more podcasts to come. More podcasts to come because this is great. Dude, I'm glad to call you a friend, and I hope you stay safe out there, all right? Yeah, yeah, you too, you too. All right, we'll be in touch. Talk to you later, buddy. Peace. Yeah, bye.
Iron-clad feather feet pounding the dust On October's day towards evening Sweat-embossed veins standing ground to the plow Salt on a deep chest seasoning Last of the line that on his day's toil Turning the deep sod under Flint at the fetlock chasing the bone Flies at the nostrils plunder The Suffolk, the Clydesdale, the Percheron vine With a shire on his feathers floating Hauling soft timber into the dusk To bed on a warm straw coating Brown stallion seed to keep the old line going, and we'll stand you abreast at the back of the woods behind the young trees growing to hide you from eyes that mock at your girth, your eighteen hands at the shoulder. And one day when the oil barrens have all dripped dry And the nights are seen to draw colder They'll take fear strength, your gentle power Your noble grace and your bearing And you'll strain once again to the sound of the guns In the wake of the deep love
Iron-clad feather feet pounding the dust An October's day towards evening Sweat-embossed veins standing proud to the plough Song on a deep chest sees me Bring me a wheel of oak and wood A ring of polished leather A heavy horse and a tumbling sky Brewing heavy weather to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.